My name is Peter Johnson. Uh, I am a retired Presbyterian minister, and it is my honor to be with you today. Um, I live over in Westtown with my wife, Joanne. I, she'll be here at the 11 o'clock service this morning. Um, I want to thank Amber for uh, inviting me this morning. I, uh, Oh, I'm just glad. I'm just glad to be here. These are strange days. I uh, was thinking about John Lennon and a song he wrote called Nobody Told Me. Here's the first part of the song. Everybody's talking and no one says a word. Everybody's making love and no one really cares. There's Nazis in the bathroom just below the stairs. Always something happening and nothing going on. There's always something cooking and nothing in the pot. They're starving back in China, so finish what you got. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed, strange days indeed. Seems like that song could fit into any era what with COVID and now all the questions that are running around about Ukraine and the evil of war, the questions persist. Strange days indeed. Why? Why hate? Is there a judgment going on from God? How do I, a minister of the gospel, understand this? How do I discern these things? How do we, as disciples of Christ, discern these things, understand all these things, especially the last couple of years? Well, Jesus faces strange days and similar questions. First, Pilate murdered some folks while they were at worship. Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Pilate knew exactly what he was doing. Stand Pilate next to Vladimir Putin, cut from the same cloth. Putin and Pilate exercised power with violent hands, shedding innocent blood, apparently on purpose. This is the mindset of empires. They buy the biggest lie, the one Jesus rejected. I will give you all of this if you will only worship me. Means justify ends. Now the second incident, 18 people were in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's it's like when that crane collapsed in New York City a few years back and one person was killed and three were injured. And then that crane on the Cuomo Bridge, when they were working on the bridge, and collapsed and nobody, nobody was hurt. How do you explain that? Is there a cause and effect principle at work? Uh, and Jesus wants to refute such pop theology as by saying, no, no way. It's back like in John 9, 2, when somebody asked him about the blind man, who sinned, 
This blind man or his parents? Looking for sin in someone as an answer to their suffering is a kind of toxic, weaponized theology you might see on Facebook or maybe in a TV evangelist. You know, the Bible, Bible's not for wimps. Uh, suffering is everywhere in the Bible. Look at Job, then Jeremiah. We are in the Lenten season headed towards Jerusalem. Well, how does Jesus handle these questions? Well, first, he nullifies the blame game notion about sin. Human-engineered tragedy, 9-11, Pilate, Putin, that's one thing. But those who suffer because of it are not to blame. Jesus says, no way. These oppressed ones, whether first-century Galileans, 20th-century African-Americans, or present-day Ukrainians, the antagonists are the ones who are culpable. When unintended tragedy hits, collapsing cranes and falling towers, the dead and injured cannot be made into scapegoats. No way, says Jesus. Now, you can't text and drive, and you can't drink and drive, and expect not to have consequences. That's a different thing altogether, obviously. But there's also, secondly, context. I had a professor who told me once, a text without a context is just a pretext. Well, the context here is of discipleship. Luke's 12, Luke 12 is filled with, with a talk of discipleship. And we enter Luke 13, the first phrase that is said, at that very time, Jesus speaks and addresses these questions. Are they about, perhaps, fear of death? Everyone is going to die. Well, Woody Allen said he wasn't afraid to die, he just didn't want to be there when it happened. I get that. The more important issue is trusting God in life and death. Somebody said, you will be in death who you are now, only more so. You will be in death who you are now, only more so. How's your heart today? Does it need changing? How about your mind? <laughs> Unless you repent, Jesus says. Repentance, that's an old-fashioned word. Methodist Bishop Will Willimon says, repentance is wising up, turning to the God who, in Christ, has already turned to you to change your heart and life. Repentance is about receiving the grace already given so that changes can be made. Repentance is about relationship, 
One might express this each day upon awakening with something like, uh, what's on your agenda today, Lord? As you think about molding and folding your own life into the Christ. We uh, just finished in the book club here, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Practical, lifelong disciplines on practicing the presence of God. It's hard work. It is work. But it's worth it. Finally, it is complicated. Uh, We turn to that puny little fig tree that the owner of the vineyard no longer wants to grow in his vineyard. The owner is fed up with failure. He doesn't think it can change. And the gardener begs with, really, like Moses, and prophet-like ardor, let it alone, let it go. I will tend to it with loving care. It may bear fruit with more time and manure. Yeah, manure happens. The manure of life can be painful. But most often, manure brings growth and creates space for grace. Or does grace make space? Grace is when God is a source of wholeness, which makes up for my failings. In other words, space is made, space is given. We know Jesus is known for making space at tables for all kinds of people. It is the nature of grace always to fill spaces that have been empty. Grace makes space with extravagant generosity. The Isaiah passage that Presbyterians are reading today goes like this. You that have no money, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come and get it. Come and get it. As disciples of Jesus and children of God, we live lives governed by grace. We live lives governed by grace. That is, we are energized by God's love and guided by the wisdom of Christ. Energized by God's love and guided by the wisdom of Christ. Meanwhile, another catastrophe is coming. The arrest, torture, and lynching of Jesus of Nazareth. What will the questions be then? But if God can deal with the tragedy of the murder of Jesus, God can deal with our disasters, our strange days. 
Right now, right now we live between the confession of our sins and the glories of grace. That's our tension. Confession of sins and the glories of grace. Repent, therefore, and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is upon us. Nothing else matters. Nothing else even comes close. Amen.